Hello, everybody. I wanted to welcome you to this special program that I'm doing. It's a part of looking at history, but it's a part of what's going on right now in the United States as well that help tells the story of, well, what our nation has been through at the moment and what our nation is heading to. We're going to go back to 1938. Nazi Germany, an event that was called Kristallnacht, or the night of the broken glass. Kristallnacht went down in history as one of the single largest slaughter of Jewish people relating to what you would now call as racism, or in this case, Nazis, Nazis. The Nazis' hate for... Jews or the Jewish people. It's referred to as the night of the broken glass, and here we are in the anniversary. It actually took place on November 9th through the 10th of 1938. And during that time, the Nazi regime coordinated a wave of anti Semitic violence in Nazi. Germany, and although it was technically a riot, it became known, right, over time throughout history, Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass, and the name Kristallnacht is a reference to the shattered glass from the store windows that literally littered the streets during and after the riot. It's also known as the November program. Sometimes it's very important to reflect on history to understand where we're headed and what you should know is right now, here we are. 80 plus years past this event. And anti-Semitic hate crimes will just take New York City, very large Jewish population has increased over 214%, 214% over, well, just this last time last year and last month, by the way. And it's all directly related to the communities fighting about Hamas and trying to play Hamas as the victim, victim, even though it was Hamas that attacked Israel. And so this deep-seated hate, this anti-Semitic hate, you've been seeing it on college campuses, is coming out. It is oozing out of people. Right now, I'm hearing from all kinds of Jewish people in New York City that they're being spit upon in the subways and that college students at local colleges that are Jewish have been mobbed by what is called Palestinian protesters and many of them have been forced to flee and seek shelter and as you know in one city just recently in a protest about Israel saying 
let the children and women go, Palestinian sympathizers clashed, and one fellow in his 60s was hit, hit the ground, hit the back of his head, and it actually killed him. And right now, we've got to make sure that none of us play into this panic and also that it doesn't stop people going about their lives. And so I think it's important to recover this history because we've been here before. And if you remember, we're conservatives and conservatives right now are being told that we are the fascist. We are the ones that want to take over and force people to capitulate to our will. And that's how throughout times, regimes, takeovers of people, places, and things have always bent history to do it. They've always managed to bend history to serve a political agenda. Yet here we are again. So I'm going to retell this. I'll give you a quick overview first. But starting from the top, it was November 9th through the 10th of 1938. All my grandmothers uh, were there and grandfathers. And what happened is the Nazi party, the Nazi Socialist Party, they coordinated a wave of anti-Semitic violence across all of what was called Nazi Germany. It was actually, interestingly enough, to the media that was controlled by Nazi Germany, ironically, basically said it was Get ready for this peaceful protest. But it spread nationwide. It became a, na a, a night of violence. Because most of the merchants were Jewish. And now most people don't understand their history of why so many people are, the Jewish people are doctors, are lawyers, or even merchants, is because in the Christian faith, charging fees, you know, money lenders, bankers, etc., charging fees for those type of things was outlawed for Christians. And Christians couldn't touch dead bodies. So most of those positions, and people not understanding their history, most of those positions fell to people of Jewish faith, because in the Jewish faith, it was okay to lend money and charge a fee. It was okay to be a merchant and make a profit, not just sell it through. And it was okay to deal with dead bodies. And that's why you have so many Jewish people throughout history, including today, that are doctors, lawyers, bankers, etc. And so on this night, what happened is... It had been planned. Now, I, I want you to pay attention here. This was a planned event by the Nazis. Just like our January 6th, they wanted a story. And the story they were going for in 1938, it was to look like an unplanned outburst of popular anger against the Jews, to be like it was spontaneous. Same thing that happened to our nation on 
January 6th. It was to look like, oh, no, these conservative people just stormed the Capitol and tried to take over the nation. That's why I keep on telling you, folks, we have been here before, and history is repeating itself over and over again. And that's why so many times I try to bring history into it, telling you that history matters, is because if we don't understand what's going on from a historical standpoint, and we don't understand how all of these parts fit together in a big program, we'll miss it because that program is rehappening again right now. And so the Nazis had planned this to look like a spontaneous popular uprising of saying, hey, we don't like the Jews. In reality, Kristallnacht, the, the night of broken glass, was actually state-sponsored vandalism and arson. Now, why was it state-sponsored? Is because the political party the Nazis organize it. The political party brought in the dissenters. The political party encouraged us. Does it sound familiar to Black Lives Matters, folks, and reparation and burning stores and stealing things and violence? But yet, those who are truly the victims are the one pro- uh, portrayed as the perps. Yes, again, history is repeating itself. This is right out of the Nazi playbook. But this was coordinated. See, Nazi leaders actively planned this and coordinated it with Adolf Hitler's support. And so on the the night of November 9th, what happened is Nazi leaders, and the way they planned this, they ordered members of the Nazi parties Uh, paramilitary groups they had the SS they had the SA and they had the Hitler youth college kids sound familiar college kids sound familiar and so what they did is they ordered these paramilitary groups and why did they call them paramilitary groups is because they they basically wore uniforms to identify themselves just like Antifa and their orders by the Nazi leaders were to attack the Jewish communities. Now what happened in the hours and days that followed is organized group of Nazis systematically wreaked havoc on Jewish life in Nazi Germany. Many things we've already seen here, burning of churches, Robbing, looting of stores, destroying people's livelihood, decimating homes, throwing fires into businesses, just breaking out the windows, going up and down the streets to do as much destruction to the people they didn't like as they could, primarily Jewish businesses because they were the merchants, even down to burning Jewish landmarks and homes, etc. Again, we have been here before, and history is, in fact, repeating itself. Now, see if this sounds familiar to you. Again, 
the reason I am even telling this history is because we are under exactly the same type of attack today. And I want to draw these analogies to you so you can actually share this with your family or friends so you understand all of the gears and the cogs and everything that that makes this happen during the riot these nazis set hundreds of synagogues across germany on fire burning them to the ground Right now in the United States of America, we had a rash of them in 2016. It started all over again, burning churches. It's come back in fashion. Then what they did is they vandalized thousands, literally thousands of Jewish-owned businesses. They went in and desecrated Jewish cemeteries. Do you realize in very recent history we've seen college students not only toppling statues, but what have they been doing? Yes, kicking over headstones, Jewish headstones in cemeteries across the country. These vandals at that time also broke into homes. They smashed furniture and they actually terrorized the Jewish families. Now these protesters were following orders given by Nazi leaders. Here's one I want you to pay close attention to. As the looting, the rioting, the firebombing went on. The police forces and the fire brigades did not intervene to stop the destruction. Can you say Kenosha? Do you understand how history is repeating itself? As they went in and destroyed businesses, police forces did nothing. Fire brigades did not intervene to stop the destruction. Policemen did not protect the Jews or their property, just like today they did not protect the American voters and their property. And by the way, the firemen did not put out the fires in the synagogues. Sadly, during this time, these rioters, who were supposedly a spontaneous, peaceful protest, as they found Jews on the street, or individuals they identified as Jews, they were attacked and they were beat. That night, in the two days that started in the immediate aftermath, several hundred Jewish people died, literally stomped to death. Yeah, beaten down in the streets and Nazi jack-booted thugs repeatedly kicking them in the head or jumping up and down, stomping on their heads. Have you seen this? And what's going on here in the United States of America? Yes. Some were just outright shot and killed. Now, during Kristallnacht, the Nazi regime, regime actually uh, ordered the police, again, 
pay attention and see if history repeats itself. Organized protesters, organized protesters arranged by the government to try to make it look like it was a spontaneous protest. But no, what it was was a planned destructive event. These protesters, mostly peaceful, you've seen it on the news, were burning, destroying, killing, beating, kicking, etc. And just so you know, as this was going on, the police actually did respond. I do stand corrected that the police didn't respond. The police did respond. The Nazi police arrested 30,000 Jewish men for trying to protect their families because it was the Jewish men who were considered the ones to be wrong, who were the ones that, in the government's eyes, committed the crimes. These men did not commit any crimes. The police simply arrested them for being Jewish. Again, this is the turning of history. This is why they brought back words like fascist, etc., and want to place it on conservatives. Because when you look up fascist history, you under you can see all the atrocities, and they're taking young minds who have never studied history turning it and saying, no, those are the fascists. You see how the ignorance of history creates these catastrophic events. That is the plan. That is exactly how every bit of this is planned and how every bit of it's done. (laughs) Now, of course, the arrest, they shocked and terrified the Jewish families and communities, of course, they screamed, this is not right, we're the victims here, and the Nazis did respond. Those 30,000 German Jewish men they arrested, my family included, they were shipped off to concentration camps at Dachau and Buchenwald. And the... Germans released, they would only release those 30,000 men if their families could actually prove that they were going to immediately leave Germany. See, denying freedoms and liberties is the goal of any regime when it's in. You don't get greater liberties and freedoms. You get reduced liberties and freedoms. If you don't go along with their well-orchestrated, oiled, machine-like plan, every bit of this is planned to overtake a people. It was this night, Crystal Knot, that's the night we're talking about, that was the turning point for Germany's Jews. It was only at that time that Jews finally began to realize 
There was no future for them in Nazi Germany. Not at all. There was no future for them. Not at all. Now, what this did is this affected all Jews, Polish, German Jews, you know, many living in Paris and other places. This took on effect around the globe. Countries there sympathizing. You know, you got to understand the differences between like Paris and Berlin and stuff are only maybe 500 miles. You have to understand European-wise how close all of these cities are. But most people forget that it was Joseph Goebbels, the great planner of deception and destruction, that planned this event. And it was Joseph Goebbels and their control of the media, because they took over all the media in Germany and literally turned it into Nazi Germany media. I've done pro programs on this before. And yeah, America was shocked when it happened. President Roosevelt, Franklin Delano, on November 15th, of 38, he denounced the Nazi attack in an official statement. He says, look, I cannot scarcely believe such things could happen in a 20th century civilization. And here we are. Here we are. Having this repeat. And people not understanding that this destruction and looting, right? Destruction and looting has been uh, going on ever since, right? The same things that happened back then happen now. I mean, it's really sad when you think about it. But we're... We're, and it's the saying, we're doomed to repeat history if we don't understand history, right? If we don't understand history. And yet, here we are. Here we are. This cause, this one event caused 300,000 Jews just to flee Austria and Germany and those were the ones that were smart right in the beginning and had the ability to get out but that was 85 years ago folks and 85 years ago everything that was put into effect by the Nazis has come full circle and is being deployed as a tactic taking over young minds all over again. I want to read you an account of a 17-year-old, or excuse me, an 11-year-old at the time first. It's his account of that day just to kind of give you a, a flavor of what was going on 
than what this crystal knock night of the broken glass was like. Albert Friedlander was 11 years old in 1938 and living in Berlin. And then, of course, on the nights of the 9th to the 10th of November, Nazis organized a night of violence and destruction against Jewish buildings and Jewish properties. Here's a Jewish boy, 11 years old. Albert had some distinct memories at that time. I'm going to share them with you. Alfred Friedlander was 11 years old on this night. And as a Jewish boy, it changed his life. He went on and later recalled, many years later, I thought of my friend Henry, who had gone to my school until they had burned it. The week of the November pogrom was the week of his bar mitzvah, but by Saturday morning, the synagogue had been burned. The rabbi was in a concentration camp, and no more than three Jews could visit a Jewish family anymore, and it was because a public meeting or a conspiracy is how they defined it, that if you're getting together, oh, you must be a Jew, oh, you must be a conservative, and if you are getting together and talking, you're planning something evil. Sound familiar, folks? And so part of this program was no more than three Jews could visit a family at time. Past that, it became a public meeting, and that was a conspiracy. He goes on to say that just the same friends came to Henry's home, including the leaders of the Jewish community, and he had his bar mitzvah. What did I do that week? Somehow, we had been warned by friends that a major action had been planned against the Jews. So we left our apartment, my father and I, my brother, my sister, and my mother, to make our separate ways to a hiding place. We traveled by bus, underground, and on foot, all separate, and we met again. We met again. At our distant gathering place. In other words, they had had a gathering place. It was a distant home in a suburb, had a store with it. It was actually the home of a friend. He goes on to say there were 14 of us in that small storeroom right under the roof. It was hot and it was uncomfortable. The next morning, without consulting our parents, my twin brother and I went for a walk. We were 11 years old. And at the next corner, two men stopped us and said, Why aren't you kids wearing your Hitler youth uniform? Do you understand how identifying that is? Do you understand this is part of the plan that they would indoctrinate people how would they take over people's minds yeah it was with the Hitler youth the way you showed you had your kids in order is the kids were part of the Hitler youth here's two Jewish boys on the street certainly not wearing that 
And two men stopped and says, why aren't you kid wearing your Hitler youth uniform, they asked. He goes on to say, this was our chance to be heroes, to proclaim our Judaism proudly without fear. I spoke up instantly. Our uniforms are at the cleaners. We will be wearing them tomorrow. And they let us go. We walked around the block back into the house and up to the attic and thought no more about ever exploring outside. Another day passed. Father thought that it was safe to return. And when he and I started out before the others, retracing our journey to their apartment. We entered the front door of our apartment house. We walked up two flights of stairs and our father was about to put the key in the lock when we heard voices coming from inside our apartment. We had come home too early. They were there waiting to take us and send us away. We could hear laughter. We could smell cigar smoke. So we tiptoed down the stairs waiting in the lobby to catch the rest of the family in order to warn them. And then once again, we all separated and we wandered through Berlin. There were lots of glass on the street. We lived in the West End surrounded by shops, many of them Jewish. This was the last night. This was late at night and it was dark, but we had no trouble in picking out our Jewish shops. They had been looted. The windows had been smashed. They were in ashes, rubble, debris, uh, all kinds of things strewn about the shops. We did not see how our fellow Jews had been treated, beaten, or taken to prison, some of them never to return. But in our hiding place, listening to our friends, we heard more and more of the story of Crystal Knot. Not only were these rioters throwing Molotov cocktails, they were uh, brick-throwing mobs. Again, this should sound familiar to you because, you know, during the Antifa and Black Lives Matters, mostly peaceful riots, there were pallets of bricks set all about the cities. Pallets of bricks, folks, set all about the city so they could pick up bricks and throw them at people. That night, Crystal Knot, there were 7,500 Jewish businesses that were destroyed. A thousand synagogues were burned to the ground. And that's when the Jewish people truly knew they were in trouble. And that's when the truly anti-Semitic face of Nazi rule started. But you would think, didn't the world, didn't the world see the writing on the wall in 1938? As I tell you, history will always tell what's up. If you would have read an American newspaper in the days or weeks after the program, you might have thought so, as news of the programs made its way to the United States. Papers, newspapers filled first with descriptions of violence then with reactions that ranged from terrified to furious. Mobs wrecked Jewish stores in Berlin was one of the headlines. That was the Chicago Daily Tribune. Los Angeles Times at the time wrote, Nazi mobs riot and wild orgy. And so 
at that time, while it was going on in those two days, commentators and national leaders in the U.S. began to speak out about the violence, often to make a call, a plea for common humanity. One of the quotes were the people outside Germany who still value tolerance, understanding, and humanity can no longer keep silent in the face of what has just taken place than they could in the face of any barbarity. That was in the Hartford Current. Not to express themselves would be a denial of their deepest instincts of civilized human beings. Remember, right now, as a conservative, you're not allowed to express yourself. The New York Times agreed at the time. The programs produced scenes which no man can look upon without shame for the degradation of his species. The newspaper, that was actually written in the editorial to the New York Times then. Many religious Leaders around the country spoke out, too. They called attention to the anti-Semitic nature that had driven the attacks and called on congregations to pray and both support Jews, both in Germany and the U.S. But not everyone condemned the violence or blamed it on anti-Semitism. The New York Daily News had a theory for why Germans were so eager to participate in the pillage See if this sounds familiar. Oh, this wasn't an attack on the Jews. No. Again, see if this sounds familiar, folks. These were just people who were having a tough time economically. These were people on the lower end of society that were just having a hard time making ends meet. And all they were doing was responding to economic insecurity. So it's not like it's a crime. They're just, they're just trying to feed themselves. <laughs> economic insecurity. One person wrote that people, that Hitler couldn't control his people. He's losing his grip to the born thief element of the once super orderly and super policed Germany. Germans were just hungry. <laughs> Ready for this? Germans were just hungry. <sighs> and all they were trying to do is get reparations. Yes, reparations for World War I. They were just trying to get reparations. And so don't judge the people and fly off the handle. They were just suffering and hungry. At this point, it should be laughable to you. <laughs> At this point, this should be laughable to you. It really should. And why should it be laughable? Because every bit of it, every plan, every tactic, every technique that we've been going through right now is only a repeating of history. 
down to the words, down to the plans, even down to the staging of the bricks, or even down to, well, they just couldn't control themselves because they're economically disadvantaged. They're just trying to get reparations. There was another group out there, too. Some of the people took this uh, in America. Some of these people took this story of economic insecurity theory one step further. Instigating or insisting that Germany government had instigated the violence because it needed to line its coffers. And therefore it used the possessions of Germans, Jews, and then started fining them or levying findings against them. That was a headline also in the New York Times. Under a pretense of hot-headed vengeance, the government makes cold-blooded effort to increase its funds. No, it was an extermination program fortified by it. This might sound familiar. A weekly radio broadcast that reached tens of millions of listeners. Back then, it was a father, Charles Coughlin. He was a Catholic priest. He reached tens of millions of listeners. He blamed the violence on the Jewish people themselves. And he said, well, the Jews hadn't done enough to get rid of to rid Germany of communism. And so, because the Jews didn't rid Germany of communism, well, it forced the Germans to retaliate against them. Even Franklin Delano Roosevelt hesitated. He said, I I don't know that there's anything we can do against it. That was the next day. He was asked about it, said, I don't think we can do anything against it. You know, they got to handle it with their State Department. It was only when Americans said, no, this is just not right. No matter what, Jews or otherwise, it cannot be done that Franklin Delano Roosevelt on the 15th, okay, we're going to remove our ambassador from Germany. Well, it's kind of an omen of things that were to come. What happened is very few people, primarily because of it being Jews, and so such a targeted thing. You have to understand Jewish people been targeted many times throughout history, and when, when that happens, people become oblivious to it. And so Jewish groups did little to get public support for European counterparts. Even the General Jewish Council took four days. You know, they represented the largest group of Jewish organizations in the nation there took four days for them to reply and they just said there should be no parades no public demonstrations or protests by Jews that was their response gone within a few years Nazis had wiped out six million 
European Jews. And what this was was the first shocking step. This was the first shocking steps. Now, remember at the top of the program, I talked about how anti-Semitic hate and acts of crime are up in New York City. 214% this last month. See if this sounds familiar. I'm going to tell you about Dennis Erstein. He was 14. He experienced crystal knot in Vienna. Remember, it was in Austria as well. Sometimes people forget Germany, Austria, Bavaria, and all that together, but When people were out in the streets, what happened? They were called racial slurs, and they were hit and spit upon. What's going on right now in New York City subways with the Jewish people? They are being called racial slurs. They are being hit and spit upon. The German government did resolve this, though. Just like our January 6th, Even though it was planned by our government and they used it to stop conservatives, this part will kind of eerily remind you of what we're going through right now. And the aftermath of Kristallnacht. The German government blamed the Jews for the tax, blamed the Jews. They were the ones that caused people to attack them. They levied massive fines on the German Jews Because they let it happen, they imprisoned a lot of them. And by the way, they forced all of the Jews and their stores that had been burnt out and destroyed. Well, they forced them to hand over their insurance payments that they received for the damage because it was, well, it was the fault of the Jews. And although this took place three years before Adolf Hitler began to implement his final solution, the final solution being the murder of all European Jews, the violence from that time is what led up to the beginning of the Holocaust. And here we are, 85 years later, and the writing is on the wall and this is being done orchestrated planned executed with all the elements that the Nazi regime did 85 years ago yet it's you and I with no regard for our particular religions or faith It's you and I, the conservatives, the patriotic ones, the ones that want our nation to stand strong. Well, just like the Nazis and the Jews, our own government believes it is people like you and I that want our freedoms and liberties are the ones with dangerous thoughts. And therefore, the question is, Are we going to learn from history or do you now understand why 
if you don't understand history, all history of all people, you are doomed to repeat it. And maybe with this, you can understand why they've removed history, government, civics, etc., from schools because right now school kids college kids university kids thinks being anti-semitic hating on jews is being patriotic and taking care of people while at the same time at the same time Burning stores and looting stores is okay for reparations. And yes, there are people out there that are going to think the Israeli stuff is another money laundering operation just like the Ukraine. But I would have to say you're probably pretty fucking ignorant. And let me tell you why. You got to track the billions properly. I know it's easy to hate on Jews. Remember, you're following a Jew. But it's real easy to jump to conclusions. It's real easy to jump to a mess. It's real easy to try to put them all in one little category. But I can tell you from this dirty Jew's standpoint, that you're not looking at a money laundering operation like you saw in the Ukraine. What you're looking at is a planned destruction of the United States of America. And because they failed with their money laundering continual plans in the Ukraine, they pulled a trigger on another hotbed, which was the Israel trigger, because they need Israel to go down. But then again, some people don't understand their history. They don't understand how critical Israel is. To the safety of the world. But it's okay. It's live and learn. It's a lot easier to hate. It's a lot easier to hate. Than it is. To take the time to get educated. To understand the truth. And by the way. In case you didn't know it. All governments are corrupt. All governments have corrupt elements. All governments will take and launder money but you can't just throw everybody into the same spot or I could say if you're here following me you must be a conservative so you must be an undesirable as well look at you listening to a stinking Jew people and their attitudes never cease to amaze me even right here even right here the anti-Semitic things and comments and otherwise will always just tweak their head. But then again, you got to remember, if you can make people hate, you can raise a lot of money. If you can make people afraid, you can raise a lot of money and take away their freedoms and liberties. But if you make people get along and love each other and work at it, well, damn it. There's no money in that. I love you all regardless of what you think. Take care. Bye-bye.